Welcome to Buddha at the Gas Pump. My name is Rick Archer, and my guest this week is Ishwara. Is that the right pronunciation? Ishvara. Ishvara. Um, in Sanskrit, they always have this thing between V's and W's, where <laughs> somewhere in the middle. Um, so actually, I'm his guest. I'm I'm at his place in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and the way that happened is kind of interesting. I I got an email from somebody in Portugal, who Portugal. yeah, someone named Chris, Christina or Christiana or something like that. Um, and she emailed me and said, oh, I really loved your interview with David Sparrow, and would you also please interview Ishwara because he, Ishwara, because he has been very influential in my life, and I'd love it if you could talk to him. I said, okay, I'll check it out. So I, I looked up his website, and it turned out he's in Albuquerque, and it also turned out that I was going to Albuquerque. Uh, and then I looked more closely on MapQuest and discovered that uh, his place is walking distance from where I was going, my sister-in-law's house, and so I walked up here this morning. So I guess if this were car talk, I'd be saying that we're broadcasting from the small world department of, of, car, <laughs> of Buddha at the gas pump this morning. Do things always work so nicely in your life? I mean, coincidentally, things yeah, just kind of mesh and work out? To, yeah, that seems to be the way it is. I mean, even going to Germany worked out that way. It was just kind of this synchronistic mm -hmm. kind of thing happened. Somebody saw me in a magazine and they got interested and they came to our place when we were in Santa Fe and that's how they met me and you know wound up going to Germany several times and so yeah. well hopefully this will open you up to a whole new batch of people yeah I'm kind of the best kept secret in in the world I think <laughs> uh, so um, let me give you a little sense of how I've been doing these shows and what my motivation is in doing them. And I think that will springboard us into the mm -hmm, conversation. Mm -hmm. So um, I myself have been meditating a long time, about 42 years. And uh, so I'm naturally interested in this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I, and I've also always enjoyed like, just talking to people. And, and almost in casual conversation, I tend to interview people because I never run out of questions. You know? uh -huh, yeah. uh, and so one day I was in my garage working out on my Bowflex machine and I, and I thought, I'll do an interview show and interview people who've had a spiritual awakening. Uh -huh. So I, I went through various you know, stages of trying to figure out how, to, how best to set that up and local radio station, local public access TV stations, shifting over to Skype. Um, but the thing has been evolving over the last year and my motivation in doing it is, I suppose, manyfold. It's, firstly, I just simply enjoy it and um, I, I felt people would find it useful. And the, the, the fundamental theme is, you know, ordinary people who have had a spiritual awakening. You don't have to be special or anything like that. Um, and of course, in some sense, everybody's ordinary, and in another sense, everybody's special. Uh, and so I started out with just people in my hometown, which mm -hmm. is a town in which several thousand people meditate, and there are plenty of people to interview. And uh, then I began branching out. Um, and, you know, there are several sort of benefits, I think, that people derive from this. Firstly, they see that awakening shows up in many different ways. Um, mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily fit into a particular niche, you know, in a rigid way. Yeah. Uh, and secondly, you know, they may recognize something in their own experience that uh, they didn't even realize they had because it's become so natural and second nature to them, but they hear somebody else say it and they think, yeah, I've got that. Wow, you know, I must have already developed something that I thought I was still seeking, but I've already attained it, you know. And, uh, and a variety of other things like that. Uh, people react to it in different ways. And you know, they listen to this as a podcast while driving to work or maybe in, uh, you know, sitting in front of the computer or whatnot. 
So in any case, that's just a, a, a nutshell view of, of how I got this started and why I'm doing it. Hmm. Um, so with regard to your situation, um, I noticed on your website, I read your little biography, and I kind of liked the way you started out with pictures of your childhood. Oh. And <laughs> <laughs> kind of moved through your life in <clears throat> different stages. And perhaps we might do that with the interview itself, you know, if you could give mm -hmm. us a sense of the, the road you've taken and mm -hmm. uh, what significant milestones there were on it, um, you know, when, when you first got bitten by the spiritual bug and, mm -hmm. and, and any kind of unfoldments that went, went along. And I'll, I'll kind of intersperse with questions as mm -hmm. we go okay. along. Yeah. Well, I guess it really started when I was born. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I began to question things at a very early age because of some of the experiences that I was having and uh, things just didn't seem to fit. Mm -hmm. And of course, uh, I was just thinking earlier, you know, what would I, what would I say about that? And uh, I realized that, you know, I've been my mother's son for probably 40 years. But uh, it was thinking about this and, you know, some of the early experiences that I remember uh, seven or eight years old uh, when we uh, moved to the farm with my grandparents. And uh, I was having already experiences of, of things that didn't fit into their Christianity. Like what? Well, I would, uh, I would have dreams that would come true. Mm -hmm. And uh, one particular experience that's always stood out of my, my memory was that one morning my grandfather came to get me and said, you know, the, the cows got out last night. The, we had some young heifers that they had them pinned up mm -hmm. in a special area. <clears throat> and I saw they're up in so-and-so hayfield. And he looked at me kind of strangely. He says, you know, well, how do you know? Of course, he's kind of something that's weird <laughs> anyway, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and, and in my dream, uh, it was raining. Mm -hmm. And I remember in my dream, I'd looked down and water was kind of splashing off my legs. And I was walking mm -hmm. through the grass and water was splashing. And there was an alfalfa field that uh, I thought, well, you know, they can't stay in that alfalfa field because it was blooming. and. Of course, cattle shouldn't eat blooming alfalfa because they'll oh. blow out and it'd kill them. Oh. And so I drove them through the, the alfalfa field, and there was this culvert, which is the wet weather mm -hmm. ditch, and I drove them through there, and I drove them up to this hay field, which we had just harvested. All in your dream, you're talking In my dream. Right. And, and, the, and there was nothing much up there for them to eat, but I drove them up there, and I said, now you stay up here. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I knew exactly where they were. And my grandfather, he's just having a fit. He's and we're walking and we have our rain gear on. I have my boots on and I look down when we're walking up there in real life and the water's splashing off of my boots. And that was the only thing different from the dream. Uh. I had my boots on uh -huh. and it was, it was drizzling rain. And he's just having a fit. He said, oh, they're dead up there in the alfalfa field because he could see the where they were walking, you know. Right. And he said, oh, they're all bloated up there. And I just, you know, I knew where they were. And I was, I think I was about seven or eight years old at that point. And, you know, he, we walked up there. And you could see where they walked through the alfalfa field. And, you know, they were up in that hay field just oh. kind of munching around on little teeth tiny bits of grass and, uh -huh. you know, just content up there. And they just had stayed up there. And he just kind of scratched his head and he kind of looked at me. Yeah. Of course, you know, at that time with the Christianity and everything, that was the devil's work. And so I, you know, I learned uh, very early in life to be still. Yeah. And so I sort of shut down at that point and became very introverted. 
and I kind of kept to myself and uh, I found out that I shouldn't talk about the things I knew because uh, I was very lucid and, and I knew what was on people's minds mm. and it, I created a very confused childhood for yeah. me. I was very introverted and very nervous huh. and of course my grandfather was hellfire brimstone all right. the time. It was the end of the world all the time and you know <laughs> I just I was kind of a nervous wreck most of the time. <laughs> it's funny early. that that should be thought of as the devil's work, because <clears throat> the Bible and Christian literature is oh, full yeah. of stories of I people know. who had that kind See, of thing. See, I didn't have access to all of that, yeah. but you know, I never felt like it was the devil's work, and I just, you know, I was always very much in touch with God, and mm -hmm. and it just, you know, I just, I just knew something that people weren't talking about, and you know, I could see through people's fears, and, yeah. and you know, and I knew when people weren't telling the truth, and but I knew not to question them on it. Yeah. But I, I chose at one point somewhere in my life, you know, around 10, I decided just to listen to what people said and not not go with what I'll I knew because yeah. it just got me in trouble. So yeah. I just started listening to what people said. So, okay. Hmm. So I kind of shut that aspect off for many years. <clears throat> so did you actually lose that, that sort of insight ability or did you just kind of ignore it? I or just began to it ignore it. it. Yeah, I kind of, it kind of shut down. Yeah. And it took several years, and, and then one, a friend of mine one time said, no, he, he, he asked me, he said, he says, you know that. He said, why aren't you using it? Mm. And, uh, you know, I just said, no, I don't know. I just kind of was not safe with it. And so uh, he kind of made an agreement that he would always tell me the truth. Uh -huh. And so uh, I just uh, started opening up again. Mm. and. That started that all up, and that was many years later. Like in your teens or 20s? Oh, I was, you know, I was, what, that was 40-something. 40. 40 oh, okay. <laughs> many years. Uh. Of course, all this was still, I was still having my dreams, and I was still yeah. knowing things all along, even uh, early in, earlier in my 20s, mm -hmm. 25, after I left the farm and stuff, I would have my lucid dreams. And yeah. they were still going on, but I just didn't do a lot with them, and I remained pretty much an introvert and kind of stayed to myself and <clears throat> you find left the church when I was 18. I was still right. involved in church work and stuff up mm -hmm. to 18 years old and planned to be a minister but uh, mm -hmm. there again things happened that just it was like that's not for me yeah and um, it just kind of strange things just like wrong papers came to me to fill out when I was starting to go to Bible college right and, you know just it was just like the cosmos was saying, no, that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> Did you find yourself during this time uh, attracted to <clears throat> reading spiritual books oh, yeah. and stuff like that? Yeah, uh, I, I hated reading in school. Uh -huh. and, and when I got out of school, I started going to the library. And I had a wonderful librarian that uh, started getting books from the state library for me. I got interested in psychic things. I got interested because I was having these experiences. And I found out the church didn't have the corner on... Right on these things and, and this I This is all in Missouri. I in Missouri, right. yeah. And I started just, I was taking home stacks of books mm. and reading about things and I said, wow, you know, there's, there's a lot of, lot of sense here yeah. and I got really interested and, and I started seeing these different connections with mm. stuff and that sort of, the whole thing started opening up after 18. Okay. <laughs> so you're reading Edgar <clears throat> Cayce? Ed, oh, Edgar Cayce was one. I just, you know, I, Oh, I would sleep on books. I would just, well, come on, I want to do this. <laughs> yeah. I want to be able to know this. And, but Edgar Cayce was a very uh, interesting person. And, 
and uh, he was one of the interesting ones that I read very early. Uh, uh, Jess Stern, uh, Youth, Yoga, and Reincarnation, I read was that a book. really Actually, interesting. I read that book when I was a new meditator. I was about 18 yeah. years old. I yeah, that's, that's one of the first ones I read. Yeah. And then I, I he was dissolving clouds or something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, and then I joined the Rosicrucians when I was 18 years old, mm -hmm. and that was a big, big step forward because they have an uncanny clarity about things, which mm -hmm. really kept me from getting marred down in a lot of nonsense and right. psychic foo-foo. Yeah. So, uh, and there's a lot out there, a lot of foo-foo right. nonsense, spiritual superstitious nonsense. Mm -hmm. So that kept me very clear, and so that was a very, very yeah. fine path. So, uh, <clears throat> at some point, did you start to gravitate toward Eastern books like you know yoga? Yeah, I, I got interested, of course, with the bookstore we had. Uh, I had access to all kinds of information, and um, you know it was all interesting, but none of it was it. Were you doing practices or just reading? Oh, well, I was. I was. Uh, I never, I never was uh, marred by a teacher. <laughs> and, uh, they don't all mar you. Well, you know, what I, what I read and, and what I understood from everything, it was mm -hmm. all uh, partial. There wasn't nothing complete. Right. And uh, everybody's, of course, has their opinion in there, and there's something this way. And uh, I was, was enough that well, that wasn't enough. Mm -hmm. you know, it just wasn't enough. That wasn't complete. I, I would look at stuff and see a flaw and see yeah. something was missing, and that wasn't good enough. But you would get something out of it. Something. Presumably. Oh, yeah. yeah I've, I've, taken f I've taken from different philosophies, even Christianity. I've taken from sure. everything that I could find something that would benefit us now. Because yeah. I'm important. It's important now. Mm -hmm. We're living now. We're not living in the past. We're not living in the future. We're living now, mm -hmm. and it has to work now. Right. You know, I don't care if it's going to work a hundred years from now. It has to work now. One of my little guidelines for living is take what you need and leave the rest. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And there's uh, there's something <coughs> to be extracted from almost any sure. experience. Sure. Oh yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Everything will work if one totally devotes himself and applies it mm -hmm. to the present. Yeah. But most people are looking for escape, and that's not it. I right. mean, you can't escape your life. You have to live your life. So. Yeah, and speaking of marred by teachers, I mean, I've even seen examples where people follow a teacher whom I would consider to be extremely flawed, but based on their fervency and, and dedication, mm -hmm. you know, they really get a lot of progress. Oh, you can, you can follow a toad and get in a Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there are stories in the Vedas of people, you know, just worshipping a rock or a, yeah. a, a mm -hmm. statue yeah. or something and, and mm -hmm. having yeah. these tremendous breakthroughs. Enlightenment doesn't come from the outside. Right. You know, and that's, I think that's where people make the mistake. They... They think they're going to get something, mm -hmm. and uh, objective. That's, yeah, that's that's the real story behind everything. Yeah. You know. All right. So um, here you were, going along, sleeping on books, and uh, <laughs> you know, reading everything under the sun, and approaching your forties. Uh, so what's the next significant milestone? Well, uh, after after reading, after looking, after looking at these sayings, I I got to this point where. Uh, the same, the same crap was going on in my life. The emotional stuff, mm -hmm. you know, from from childhood, and just the disappointments with people, you know, yeah. just the lying that was going on. And because of my my acute intuitiveness with things, mm 
I just, I could see through stuff so quickly. Mm. And so, of course, you know, when you see through stuff, you get disappointed very right. quickly because you, you, you read something and you see what's left out. Yeah. You, just, you just see, you see the, the partial truths of stuff. I mean, even the scriptures, there's, mm. there's partial truths. And heavily edited. Things are mis yeah, heavily edited, yeah, misleading. Situations yeah, of what, I want you to believe this. Right. And um, so I was really dissatisfied, and I had a whole huge bookstore of all kinds. I could. Oh, that's right. You worked in a bookstore, didn't you? I had a book. I, I saw that bookstore. on your website. Yeah, yeah, I owned yeah. A bookstore. You, you owned a bookstore. Yeah. And so you know, I was gradually sorting through the bookstore, throwing out the books that I just felt that this is not useful to anybody. Right. And you know, I was gradually getting down to where there wasn't very many books that I could wholeheartedly recommend to people. Yeah. And it just got to where, you know, I don't feel good even having a bookstore uh -huh. because it's just misrepresenting it. Did you, miss, did you meet any kindred souls during this whole period where, you know, other people who sort of <coughs> saw life as you did and you could really relate to? Or did every, everybody um, seem... Not too many. You know, most people were looking for escape. Mm -hmm. And uh, I met Leela. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, <coughs> there was a few people. And yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Met, met a few people that just, uh, there's, a, there's a handful of people in my life that have been there all along and very supportive and very encouraging. And, uh, but there was this point where I just, this emotional turmoil just kept coming up and coming up and I kept looking at this stuff and I finally got to this place where I said, you know, this is just all crap. It's just, None of it is working. None of it is, it's, everything has a, some hook, some place of escape. Something is about getting out and that's not it, mm. you know. And so I, I got to this breaking point and I just, you know, I spent one night just practically screaming all night into my pillow. Just mm. alone, isolated, just, just totally, just, just crushed and she, I want out, you know. I can't take this anymore. You know, if this is not working, these, these people are liars. The, mm. You know, it, it maybe work for them, but then I look at their lives and their lives is a shambo. Mm. I mean, they, they, they're good at hiding. I mean, these, these so-called masters, mm -hmm. you look at their personal lives and they're a wreck. Yeah. You know, they're alcoholics, they're sex addicts, they're all these different things, and that's not a life. Advocating abstinence, meanwhile. Right, yes. <laughs> so, you know, it's like I just saw this, this hypocrisy with everything. And I just, you know, that's, that, that's not it. And I just, I broke, you know, I just, I just was broke. And uh, I was doing services. I was, I, was, uh, I was holding services. I was teaching meditation. I was doing all the work. And... Uh, that morning after that, I just I spent the whole night just screaming, practically hoarse. Mm. It was a Saturday night. Sunday morning, I, had a, I did a service, and I talked to myself in the service. And it was just, uh, just absolute love, and just talking to myself in this beloved talk, and just, you are loved. And I was so overwhelmed with divine love, and mm. just, just felt that comfort, and just absolute love, and not alone. And I felt really good, and I felt so supported in that love, and just cosmic, you know, just cosmic yeah. kind of thing. And then maybe a week or two weeks later, uh, Leela had Leela was gone at the time, and she came back in her RV, and <clears throat> she saw that I was just terribly distraught and just, you know, just upset, and I just was going through this turmoil, 
And she just said, well, what's wrong? And I just broke down again. And uh, she just sat with me and she just was sort of saying, you know, it's all right and it's all right and it's all right. And, you know, I'm, I'm listening to her and my life is flying before, you know, they talk about a dying person's life passing before right. their eyes. My life was flying before my eyes. And um, I hear her saying it's all right, and my brain is saying, my intellect says, it's not all right, it's not all right. And there was a moment everything stopped. There was a moment of silence, and, and it was all right. And she was looking at me, and she said, what happened? So when you say everything stopped, you mean all this turmoil that you... Every, everything, it, it, just stopped. All it just stopped. It was, there was a moment, the brain stopped. It's tried to argue. It's like my intellect tried to argue, but it couldn't. It just, everything stopped. And she was looking at me, and I saw her face kind of surprised. Mm. And I said, what's wrong? She says, you just changed. Yeah. And uh, she says, you kind of lit up. Huh. And uh, so I kind of looked in the mirror and I was glowing. Mm. And uh, I knew it was all right. Mm. Every, everything was all right. And my, my intellect could not engage. The brain could not bring anything up from the past. And I moved into this state of complete grace. It was just all right. And I, I could not say what had happened. But the the intellect just could not engage anything. It just said, it just surrendered. It just okay, you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And and at that point, nothing mattered anymore about the past. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know what it was. You know, of course, the intellect begins to try to figure out. People come in and say, "What happened to you?" Because my my language pattern shifted. I yeah. I got Speaking a differently? yeah I got a accent to my voice huh. and of course people thought I'm a walk-in people thought I had a stroke because I, I couldn't talk normal I, I had accent, to, I mean is this your voice that you're now this is to? pretty much my normal voice now but when I get this excited has an accent compared to what it used to be you mean maybe some I don't know not anymore I think I pretty normalized oh it's it's accented at first and then it's sort of yeah down. it's yeah. kind of I've kind of got it normalized but when I get excited sometimes it gets back in there huh. and when I'm doing services sometimes it'll, it'll get in there when I get speeded up quite a bit. What kind of an accent? Uh, it's, I don't know, kind of Scottish or yeah. I, I don't know. I for, just, it's just a kind of a mix of things and it changes too. It, it depends on what level I get at. Maybe there'll be some of that on your website. Yeah, my, yeah there's some on the yeah. videos. Yeah, okay. there is some. If they p listen to some of the older tapes, it's mm -hmm. on there. Okay. And people used to, you know, they think, they, of course, that would that would validate being a walk-in or something. You know, yeah, so yeah. I, or, you know something. But uh, it was interesting for me because I had the bookstore and people would wonder. I, I can see I'm very lucid, mm -hmm. and they come in. I I hear what they're thinking there. They're saying, "Oh, oh, poor guy, he's had a stroke. He can't talk right anymore." Uh -huh. <laughs> and other people thought, "Well, he's a walk-in, you know." And uh -huh. one one of my friends said, "Oh, he's died, and somebody else has taken over." Really? So you'd actually pick up all, all oh, the stuff? Oh yeah, I very very much know what people were thinking. And somebody called Lee and I says, "Oh, I heard that he died, and somebody else has taken <laughs> over." <laughs> and all this in our town, a very religious community, and yeah. so loud devils in there now. I have a friend who did have a stroke, and his personality changed quite a bit afterwards. And I'm always teasing his wife that he's probably a walk-in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we had all that going around, but. It, it took it took a you know I don't know a year or more or mm -hmm. so for everything to you know, and I realized after the fact that 
the, the pattern shifts in my voice sort of helped me know that everything was different mm -hmm. and not to go back into my foolishness and yeah. just to, to be very mindful. That helped me, that helped me to remain very present. Was there a tendency to backslide, or was it pretty no, much it wasn't a, a, a clean, clean break? It was a clean break. Yeah. But it sort of helped me to say, we're not in Kansas anymore. Right. You know, we're not even like, in Missouri. <laughs> not even in Missouri anymore. It was like, hey, you know, this, this is all different. And my feeling knowing at that point was that I could not rely on what I knew from the past as mm. far as philosophy yeah. or beliefs or concepts. Everything I had to, I had to speak from direct experience. Right. That was one of the uh, commandments. That, that, was a, that was something that I knew at that point that everything I did from that point had to be from direct experience. I couldn't talk philosophy right. or belief or you know, yeah. religion or anything. I had to speak. To my, my work was to be direct experience. It was to be directly what I experienced firsthand. Yeah, no, and I so really relate to that. I didn't have any experience. Yeah. You know, it was like everything I knew was what I learned from books and da da da. da you know. uh -huh. And so everything was a direct experience. Uh -huh. And so I didn't have any. So I had to start experiencing. So you couldn't talk much. I couldn't talk much. And, and right. people were shocked because you know, I could always just, yeah, I could tell them. You know, they yeah. asked me something. Well, this book says this book, right. you know, I could quote this and that. And so I wasn't talking very much either. I said, what's wrong with you? You know, you always, you always have an answer for me. I said, yeah. well, you know, I'm, I'm under this mandate. <laughs> I'm not supposed to talk unless it's my experience. Yeah. And so, of course, immediately I started having these really intense experiences with mm. life. And I could really lucid, very seeing things happening and understanding. And I, my understanding increased so much. Did you, uh, it's funny, I went through, a, I wouldn't say similar, but kind of a, you remind me of, of a, an orient, a, ch a change that I underwent in the sense that I taught transcendental meditation mm -hmm. for 25 mm -hmm. years, mm -hmm. and but I was always parroting. You know, I was just mm -hmm. sort of here's what I was taught to say. Now I'm yeah. saying it. Yeah. I'm talking about states of consciousness that yeah. I haven't experienced myself. Mm -hmm. yeah. I can you know have an intuitive feel for them, but it's not my experience. Right. Uh -huh. yeah. And I reached a certain point at which I felt I can't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, and and I still don't feel qualified to teach, but I, I'm good at asking questions because <laughs> I don't have to know anything to ask right. questions. Uh -huh. um, but I, you know, there's this desire to sort of be authentic, yeah. and not to pose as something one is yeah. not. Yeah. And I imagine that's kind of what you. Were yeah, that that was the whole thing was was to authenticate the space, and my feeling, knowing at the point was that that life and the cosmos was saying, we're here now, and this is the work that we're doing, mm -hmm. and this has to be authentic. Yeah, and it's not about anything else. It's about being this, right. and uh, it's a physical experience. Mm -hmm. It's it's to be a body, mm -hmm. and uh, it's to demonstrate that this is possible, mm -hmm. and it's an awakening of the flesh in right. in the world, and uh, it's not a spiritual thing. It's a, it's a very physical thing. It's bringing the whole thing online. And uh, it's very powerful. And uh, my, my knowing at the point was it was going to change everything in myself and everything around me. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was my job to prepare people for that mm. change. And, you know, it was, it was hard for people because, you know, it scared some people away and other yeah. people just wouldn't, couldn't drive them away with a, <laughs> a stick. <Yeah. laughs> you know, those that saw 
felt and connected, and others just, ah, you know, that's too much. And so, so after you uh, had this shift, were you still attracted to reading books, or did you? Uh, and, and if so, did you see them with a whole new perspective, uh, and and no longer have that pinch that you felt that there was always something missing, or did you just give up reading books because you were just completely focused on your own experience at that point? I, uh, I haven't found very many books that are very interesting to me. Okay. Because uh, I'll read a book and it's like, it's not complete. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, now you, you kind of alluded to people, some people finding you more interesting or attractive or something after this shift and others getting a little spooked and, and mm -hmm. distancing themselves. This implies, I guess, that you had a little satsang or something, a little uh, study group that you mm -hmm. were leading. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so then when you underwent this shift, um, you know, there was a kind of a s mm -hmm. separation yeah, of wheat yeah. from chaff mm, yeah, that took yeah. place. <laughs> uh, actually, uh, well, any comments on that? Because I have another question. But, yeah. uh, well, yeah, uh, what was funny, as this, this awakening was a kind of a drawn-out process, mm -hmm. and when I, first, when I first started doing some of this, when I first started getting acquainted with my, my true self, my, mm -hmm. my cosmic self, uh, I recognized Ishwara, and uh, it seemed like, you know, it was something was exterior to myself, and... So I would be speaking from that space, and of course people saw that as channeling. Mm. And we had, you know, at our little store on Sunday morning, I'd have 50, 60 people coming. And they were all excited about it, and you just had lots of people, ah, ah you know. Mm. And then when I said, this is me, mm. you know, mm. that people couldn't accept that. They just, they wanted some outside entity. They couldn't accept a person being here in the flesh. Huh. And so a lot of them split. We lost a lot of people at that point. That's interesting. Uh, that's funny that, that it's... And when you refer to Ish, Ishwara, you're just... Is that a name that you use to kind of refer to the cosmic self or to the higher self? Well, no. Uh, as I said, I was my mother's son till I was, what, 40 years old or something. And then I became the cosmic sun right. and the cosmic sun's name is Ishvara and so you know I, I, I realized it's taken a long time to to understand why I couldn't be known early on because the whole body had to be uh, prepared you know I had to, I had to have a lot of ex physical experience mm -hmm. And the body had to mature enough to be able to handle the influx of this energy that's right. happening even now. I mean, the body is still in this state of evolving. Mm -hmm. to, to, I mean, a lot of stuff is changing still. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, I was, that's why I said I was my mother's son up yeah. to 40 or so years In the old. sense that everyone is their mother's son. Mm -hmm. in, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, and then after the awakening, mm -hmm. these things began to change. Yeah. And so... Uh, yeah, it was it was this just transformation. So at that time, as this began to change, I became aware of my true self, mm -hmm. 
And uh, of course, I had to play with that for a while because I wasn't willing to accept. Oh, that's something else, you know. I was like, no, I, I don't want anything to do with that. That's that's too that's too weird. But uh, over a period of time, it's it's like finally the feeling knowing and and my my inner awareness was coming. Quit fooling around with this, mm -hmm. you know. Just just own it. Yeah. it. it's who you are, and we we you know you you're either gonna keep being this and keep this held at bay mm -hmm. and you're going to keep having this you know it's going to keep you know it's just going to you're going to hold it off you can mm -hmm. and um, but to move forward you're going to have to own this yeah now by by <clears throat> definition it almost seems you know that a, a spiritual awakening in the sense that we are using the term is a, a shifting of identity in mm -hmm. you know and so many people who have such an awakening say, well, for so many years I thought of myself as this, you know, flesh-bound, mm -hmm. I, I yeah. identify with my body. Mm -hmm. Now I realize I am not that, I am mm -hmm. something much yeah. vaster. Mm -hmm. um, and so is that, is that basically what you're referring to? I mean, you, you choose to use the word Ishwara. Ishwara. Mm -hmm. In principle, could everyone call it Ishwara if they wanted to, but that's just a word that you find to be uh, descriptive or uh, representative no, of it? Uh, I think that the thing that, that I am teaching, the thing that I'm bringing to people is that uh, we're dual and yeah. we, we would not be alive without this duality. Mm -hmm. And each, each cell is dual and we have a cosmic aspect mm -hmm. to our cell. We have, uh, we have the, uh, uh, there's, there's an imbalance in the frequency mm -hmm. to create life. There's, there's, it's an imbalance. There's a, a slower and a higher. The, right. the slower is the like a negative. Mm -hmm. It's not a negative. It's bad. It's a negative and positive. Right. Positive is is a slightly higher speed, a higher frequency, and the negative is a lower frequency. Mm -hmm. And these two combine to create existence. And so everything's vibration. And so we're always in this kind of imbalance. And what happens as one awakens? the balance shifts mm. and so one instead of being all flesh one becomes more cosmic and that's a slow process yeah kind of like a seesaw a seesaw yeah, yeah. We're, and so most people are kind of uh teeter-tottering yeah. and you have moments of elusiveness you have moments most people of inspiration so the seesaw is like this yeah and, you know i'm joe truck driver and yeah I, you know, and, and people cling and see what happens is that the flesh gets all the rep representatives. I mean, the flesh has the conditional reality, it's mm -hmm. consensus reality. The flesh gets from day one, is the programming, is, is all the perks, is all the help, is all this, and the cosmic self is put in the background. Yeah. And as a child, that's your imagination, that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And so everything is happening according to the world, according to the material mm -hmm. man. And the cosmic person, the cosmic being, is put to the background. And yeah. so it's kind of held out there. And so naturally, a lot of people make this really separation between the two. Mm -hmm. And so that's always out there someplace. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, it's a very dense world we live in, yeah. you know. And, and it's no wonder. I mean, yeah, the know. conditioning is very strong <clears throat> and stuff is coming at us. Mm -hmm. And I think most people don't even realize there's a cosmic self. You, mm -hmm. if you, yeah. you start talking about it, they say, what are you talking about, you know? Yeah. But um, obviously, it, these days at least, it seems to be getting more and more 
Well, well, people refer to it as a soul or spirit yeah, or throughout his master history. within. Sure. There's any number of things that's referred to, but yeah. I'm, I'm always trying to give it some fresh looks because there's so many hooks to all these different words. Yeah. And so I thought, well, the cosmic self is a kind of unknown mm -hmm. word maybe that, that maybe people can say, well, what do you mean by that? If you get a person to start asking a question, yeah. then uh, maybe there's an openness there. But uh, so my cosmic self is called Ishwar. That's the name of that, mm -hmm. and uh, I I just realized that name Ishwar is all that man can know of God, and uh, to me that's all that I can know of God, mm -hmm. and uh, God to me is just a word right. that that you know that may offend some people, but I realize that God has many faces and and many interpretations, and so I'm not settling on any one thing. Sure. And source, what is source? Source is everything. If it's any one place, it has to be everywhere. And so we can argue today's world's end on that. And so people can believe what they want to believe, but I recommend that people find something, hook themselves to something that's totally unlimited. Right. Because if you believe in something that's limited, then you're as limited as that. Mm -hmm. And so if you can find something that takes the ceiling off, then you know you can go as far as you can imagine, as far as you can go. Yeah. Oh. Two, uh, you're old enough to remember the incredible string band, perhaps, but two lines from their songs come to mind. One is, uh, whatever you think, it's more than that. Yeah. And another one is, light that is one, though the lamps be many. Yeah. Um, and when you say, my higher self is, is Ishwara, I mean, would you acknowledge that I or anyone could say the same thing if sure. they chose to use that term to refer mm -hmm. to it? And would you also say that you, know, you and I and Leela and everyone have this, it's this on that level, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, on this level we're waves, on that mm -hmm. level we're this all one yeah. ocean, mm -hmm. yeah. and it's the same cosmic self. Every, it's not yeah. like there's a bunch of right. separate yeah. cosmic self mm -hmm. for each individual. Yeah. No, the, uh, the cosmos, the cosmic, the universe, the absolute, has uh, divided itself into unique expressions. Mm -hmm. So each one of us is a unique expression of that, an yeah. individual, but not separate. Right. No two waves on the ocean are the same. Yeah. But, but yeah, it all comes from all the same source. Right. And source splits itself into all this diverse manifestation. Yeah, or appears to. Uh, yeah. And so uh, it's all connected. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it, it all comes from source. And it's just, and each unique expression has certain unique purposes to it. Mm -hmm. And uh, role to play, role to play, gifts to and gifts to give, and so uh, people that get attached to uh, a personality or a certain expression get trapped, mm. and so there's a certain unlimited way of being with that where we don't have this attachment, right? And uh, there's a freedom that follows from a non-attachment. So, mm. yeah. I liked what you said about um, a certain imbalance is necessary for, mm -hmm. oh, for yeah. creation mm -hmm. to even arise. Yeah. I mean, if it's, it's like to, as if to say, you know, back to the ocean metaphor, there has to be some kind of wind or something to stir up mm -hmm. some waves. Otherwise, it's just all sure. flatness. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, so there has to be some perturbation or some, mm -hmm. some uh, disturbance in the force, so to speak. Yeah. For, for creation to arise. And that's, as you say, that's not bad, it's not wrong, right. it's just mm -hmm. the way it works. Yeah. The very nature of vibration is there has to be something, you know, something has to be yeah. a little off, something. The vibration is, 
In Sanskrit, there's this term, leshabidyo, which means faint remains of ignorance. And, and that's not meant to be a bad thing. It just mm -hmm. means that in order for life to be a living reality, to distinguish between the wall and the door, mm -hmm. between you know, your fork and your mouth, <laughs> whatever, right, yeah. you know, there has to be an appreciation of, yeah. of differences. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, some people don't like that term because they feel like it demeans the, the glory of creation. Yeah. Um, well, well it's to, to that? celebrate celebrate diversity. Yeah, I mean, uh, the whole thing is is that the cosmos has created itself in all these different aspects to have this experience. Yeah, exactly. And if it all was the same, blah. Right. Nothing What's the point? Yeah. And uh, the people that try to annihilate the duality don't know what they're talking about. You mean sort of the Neo-Advaita people who yeah, just, yeah, it's, it's all just, an illusion. You know, and it's all an illusion, and, and what's the point? Yeah. And I, I mean, I've had many arguments with friends that are very stuck on the non-duality, and I, and I said, you know, fine, go, go ahead, go blah, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do then? I mean, if you think of it from God's perspective, so to speak, uh, you know, there's this explosion of creativity mm -hmm. that's happening constantly throughout mm -hmm. this whole universe and you know whether you look in a microscope or in a telescope or whatever this is amazing sort of brilliant mm -hmm. infinitely intelligent play going yeah. on and to me that is it, it, it's so so beautiful and so profound and and it's, it seems like a, a disservice to try to just dismiss it as, as an illusion yeah, right yeah, the very, the very act of creating is is a duality. I mean, yeah. the the whole thing is 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 based on a slight imbalance, mm -hmm. and the cells are based on a slight imbalance, and and we always strive towards some kind of harmony, but that's our act. Yeah, and uh, so we're always doing that, mm -hmm. and we all we fantasize about oh, we're going to bring the world to some kind of harmony. Mm. But it's not going to happen. But the whole thing is we learn how to compromise. We learn how to work with each other mm -hmm. and embrace the diversity of life. Yeah. And celebrate it. And I would say that, um, you know, you could sort of think of the wholeness or the, or mm -hmm. the, or the cosmic value as being like a, a solvent or a lubricant mm -hmm. or something. Yeah. Uh, you know the differences are still going to be there, mm -hmm. but everything sort of works so much more harmoniously yeah. mm -hmm. if there's a sufficient, um, you know, infusion of that or balance mm -hmm. with yeah. that. It's like you can have your Republicans and your Democrats and you know, mm -hmm. all your differences, but if there's enough wholeness, it kind of embraces right. all those yeah. diversities, so they don't clash with each other. So, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that's like a big jigsaw puzzle. Everything mm -hmm. fits together if you allow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. huh. Um, I don't mean to sound like some kind of Sanskrit scholar, but I'm, cause, because I'm not. But the, as, as I understand it, the term Brahman in Sanskrit um, is thought of as uh, there's a saying that um, Brahman is the eater of everything. <laughs> and what, I think what that is meant to say is that it it sort of engulfs and contains all the differences. Mm -hmm. It doesn't eliminate the differences, mm -hmm. but it's kind of more than the sum of of the parts, yeah. and and is able to sort of uh, and, and, go, and mm -hmm. contain them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, and in so doing, you know, someone you often find people, and I'm sure you you would you know say this yourself, who have kind of awoken to that level of life, 
who are real comfortable with paradox mm -hmm. and ambiguity. Mm -hmm. You know, they can sort of be presented with very diverse viewpoints and say, yeah, I can see where that fits into the yeah. bigger picture. And sure, and this thing over here, which is completely at odds with that thing, I can also see how that thing fits yeah. into the bigger picture. Yeah. <laughs> You want to elaborate on that a bit, or I don't. Well, it, it's uh, no, no. It, it's it's uh, the art of of living is about allowing that ability to see how things fit, mm -hmm. and uh, if one if one can't achieve that level, you're kind of doomed. Mm because you're always going to run into someone or something that doesn't fit. Yeah. And uh, the diversity of life, the, just seeing these differences and, and seeing how each unique aspect belongs. Mm -hmm. And when you go through life thinking this doesn't belong, mm. then you're going to be in trouble. And getting back to your grandfather, I mean, I think there's an innate human desire to, to rise to an absolute perspective yeah. because mm -hmm. that is sort of in a, or, or yeah. hardwired to need that. Yeah. But, but failing to do so, people have a tendency to take a relative perspective and mm -hmm. make it absolute. Yeah. And then when they do that, obviously it clashes with everything else, yeah. you know, because <laughs> it's not absolute. Mm -hmm. And so they see themselves as sort of at odds with mm -hmm. everything, yeah. you know, yeah. this kid who sees the cows in his dreams and what, yeah. you know, devil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's interesting that when you first had this awakening, you know, your little group got spooked because they were, or some of them anyway, because they were comfortable with the thought that maybe you were channeling some entity, some individual mm -hmm. being, but they were, some of them weren't comfortable with the idea that, you know, you were just speaking from yeah. cosmic awareness mm -hmm. or wholeness. Yeah, uh, people have had... Uh, trouble with the authority that I've demonstrated mm -hmm. because I, I do have this, this uh, knowledge mm -hmm. that I just know and uh, it's, it's, just, it's just there and so I speak with authority and yeah. so I'm often criticized for that, yeah. that authority. Christ had the same problem. Is that, you know, yeah. People say, who's this guy to say all this? Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, I've had a lot. And, <laughs> and, you know, it's just, well, you know, I mean, and, and even people that it resonates with, they mm -hmm. still have a problem with it. You mm -hmm. know, even though they know in their heart it's true, they still, well, you can't say that. How do you know? And so, uh, but what do you do when you, you have access to something and you know it? And it proves to be true, but yet people mm -hmm. still have a problem because you said it. You know, it, it seems that some people feel like they need to put me in my place because, because I don't have some lineage, because I don't have some special teacher, because mm -hmm. I don't have some college degree, because I just, you know, well, you, you're not trained. You're not a psychologist. How do you know? You, yeah. you can't do this. You can't say this. And well, you don't strike me as dogmatic. I mean, you're not no. sort of saying... This is the truth, and no. you know, if you don't agree with this, you're going to hell or oh, some yeah. such thing. Yeah. I mean, I just put stuff out there, and people can take it or leave it. <laughs> yeah, which is a, sounds like a pretty easygoing way to be. Yeah, I mean, you're not demanding. I'm you're often criticized because I'm not stern enough. <laughs> yeah, <know? laughs> and you're not threatening people with dire consequences no. if they don't believe no. what you say or anything. 
And give me an example of something you might say with authority that people might uh, take exception to. Uh, right now, I can't think of it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but like you'll be giving a talk, for instance, yeah. and you'll be speaking as if you really know this stuff, which you do, and yeah. people are thinking like, you know, how does he know this stuff? Or is he, you know, just quoting books but appropriating the knowledge mm -hmm. to himself? Is that the kind of... Well, I, let's see. Well, I, I don't know. Yeah. Right. No, I mean to put you on the yeah. spot. No, I, I can't really think of anything. Yeah. Really. But I think I know, I understand the principle. It hasn't happened for quite a while. Yeah. Because most people I have around me now have been with me for quite a while now, uh -huh. so they're, they're used to me. Right? Yeah. Well, it's funny, you know, I think it was Christ said, a prophet is not without honor except in his own home. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, and there's that saying, familiarity breeds contempt. Uh, yeah. Um, if a person is, seems like an average Joe in most respects, mm -hmm. you know, and yet speaks with some kind of profundity, yeah. people mm -hmm. think, well, wait a minute, how could this guy, he's like me, yeah. you know, how could yeah. he be speaking this way? I, and a lot of that is, you know, I am very normal, mm -hmm. and I live a very normal life, mm -hmm. and people sort of, expect, I know I, one woman one time criticized me, she says, well, I had, I had bib overalls on, mm -hmm. and I'd been out in the garden, and she says, well, you can't be enlightened. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> well, you know, that's actually why I came up with this, uh, this title, B Buddha at the Gas yeah, Pump. Uh, yeah. I mean, the implication being that, you know, you might run into somebody at the gas station pumping yeah, gas who's in right. the same state of awareness that Buddha was in. Mm -hmm, yeah. uh, they don't have to look special or talk yeah. special or anything. I mean, that's, that's something to get people over. I mean, it, it's not a look. Right. It's the way one lives their life. And it's not a way of speaking or a way, a way of, of dressing or, yeah. you know doesn't matter how long your hair is or whether you have and it. I, and I used to wear robes, and, and some of the, our old videotapes that are on television still, I, have, I wear robes. Mm -hmm. And people, well, you're special because you wear robes. No, I wore robes because that was the only thing I was comfortable in. Mm -hmm. Because the energy in my body at the time was still adjusting. Mm. And normal clothes, it would just, I just felt rigid and so. confined. And, and Leela noticed it when, when she said, you're just not comfortable in, mm. in clothes. Yeah. And, and so a friend of mine made some robes, and oh, so good, yeah, so good. comfortable. And so I started wearing robes, and I'd wear them everywhere, and people, oh, look at this guy in a robe, who's he? Uh -huh. And uh, I, I just got over it, you know. I could yeah. feel, of course, I could hear him, you know. And, uh, but I got over it, and I could just go out wearing my robes anywhere, and it didn't bother me. Uh -huh. I just kind of, just okay. I did that in India for a while, wearing dhotis and, uh -huh, and whatnot, yeah. but of course in India, it's, it's exactly but then I was a Westerner. Well, in wear. India, it'd be okay. Yeah. <laughs> but then and then I got to where I could finally wear more normal clothes now, and I actually wear regular jeans or shirts and stuff now too. Yeah. So uh, I've got to where the clothing doesn't matter. My body is adjusted again. It, it's constantly yeah. going through changes. So uh, I'm wearing just regular dress pants and dress mm -hmm. shirts now sure. too. Sure. Go to fine. put on a tuxedo and go someplace. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. It doesn't, doesn't bother me like it did before, but. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's still changing, so it's, but it was funny, people would criticize me for that. Well, you're, you're just trying to be special because you're wearing a robe. But I said, no, I wear a robe because that's the only thing I'm really comfortable yeah. with. Yeah, and other people criticize you because <clears throat> you didn't look special enough wearing um, bib overalls. You know? Yeah, right. It's like, so it was always some, something win. outside that people would find to yeah. criticize you about. And so I, I said, well, just, you know, I, sometimes I like, well, just do, do extreme to give them something really to holler right. about. <laughs> <laughs> I think this illustrates a point, which is that, you know, people do tend to objectify the idea mm -hmm. of enlightenment and to 
assume that it uh, is characterized by yeah. certain trappings, mm -hmm. you know, certain way of speaking, yeah. dressing, whatever, eating, shaving your head, shaving you your head, not shaving. Well, I shave my head because I don't have hair. any hair up there. Yeah, right. So I said when I was, uh, I think I was 17 or 18 years old, my grandfather was uh, bald when uh, my other on my. Uh, mother's side or on my my father's side mm -hmm. he was bald when he was 27 years old and I remember a picture of him up in the mountains he had snow on his head mm -hmm. and I always said and then I said if I ever get bald I'm gonna shave my head yeah. and so my I started losing my head or my hair when I was 17 or 18 years mm -hmm. old you can see in my school pictures my hairline go like yeah. that and so I shaved my head when I was probably 25 mm -hmm. Because it was just it was just getting really thin and hard to do anything with, and so finally when I shaved it off, and people said, "Well, why do you shave your head for it? You know, why? Because I don't have any hair, and it's just a, <laughs> it's just a job to try to do anything with it, and it looks ridiculous trying to comb it back and trying to get it up yeah. there." So I just gave up with it. So let's talk a little bit about um, this um, transformation of the body, mm -hmm. you know, with this kind of cosmic awareness or cosmic energy and what mm -hmm. it puts the body through. Mm. You know, I've read various things where some people really go through hell because, mm -hmm. you know, there's so much voltage and the body's just mm -hmm. really mm -hmm. freaking out, trying to adapt to it. Uh, and some people, it's a more gentle process and it's more slow. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the person I interviewed previously uh, to this interview, his name Sarojini, uh, she was a normal housewife, didn't have any concept of spiritual things. And all of a sudden, one day, she felt this energy in her head, and her kundalini started awakening. And she didn't know what kundalini was, and she started mm -hmm. searching on the internet. And she <clears> thought she had a disease, and she was just going through all this incredibly intense stuff. And over the course of ten months, she she went through this transformation. And after ten months, she had this sort of click awakening mm -hmm. to the to the you know higher self, which she hasn't lost since. But it was for her in a very compacted period of time. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, how has it been for you and, and how is it continuing to be and, and sort of let's talk about, you know, the extent to which the physiology might ultimately be refined, uh, perhaps. Well, I, I was doing pretty good for quite a while after the awakening and then I got some rheumatoid arthritis stuff going on mm -hmm. and uh, the professionals said that they would try to keep me comfortable as I progressed towards a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. It was that bad. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just uh, wouldn't accept that. Right. And I just kept knowing this was some kind of weird transformation going on. And yeah. I, kept, I kept feeling like the body was in some kind of rebuilding process. Mm -hmm. And uh, so... Uh, Were they trying to give you drugs? Oh yeah, they had me on different drugs and things, and nothing was really working. Right. And I was doing a lot of herbal things too. Mm -hmm. And my doctor said, "Well, it's not going to hurt you, but you know, it can help you either." But uh, he got really interested in you know my my practice because mm -hmm. I was doing my meditations and things, and and he could see that I I learned how to control it mm -hmm. with my mind, and uh, <clears throat> so I I could I could make it back off when it would start up, mm -hmm. and and. Uh, so that was when we were in Oregon still. And I noticed when we came to uh, Santa Fe, I came to Santa Fe to do a talk, and I felt a lot better here. And mm. I told Leela, you know, maybe, maybe Santa Fe is the place to be, you know. Mm -hmm. So we, shortly after that, we moved here because I just felt better. But it was already starting to, to clear up before we left, and, and uh, that was uh, Oregon. But... Uh, that was that was one thing, and then uh, 
a couple years ago, uh, I started having, started losing a lot of weight and something else was going on and they found out that I was uh, gluten intolerant. Mm. And uh, so I went through this and so I've been going through a lot of, in the last couple of years, a lot of physical transformation, which was like another boot up for the system. <laughs> another boot up? Yeah, another. Like a rebooting? Uh, yeah, a rebooting yeah. system, yeah. yeah. And uh, so that was quite intense, and last winter was very difficult for me. Mm. And uh, it's just a shifting, changing of the energy again. And uh, so uh, things have stabilized pretty good now, but mm -hmm. my diet has really changed. I've lost a lot of weight. Mm. Well, you look and like a good weight. Yeah, it's 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 okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but I I I'm allergic and diabetic and different things. The system has just demanded. You're diabetic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just just all at once. It's kind of you know this this is what you're doing. Yeah. And uh, so okay, you know that's good. You know I'm just totally intolerant to sugar. I right? uh -huh. a little little tiny taste of sugar gives me a headache. Yeah. <laughs> the, the body is very you know, a body system is so, so in tune, and the moment I taste something that's not right, mm. the body reacts to it. So I've got this really fine-tuned system now that lets me know right away what doesn't want. Yeah. And so I listen. You know, I've, sure. I've learned to listen very closely, and so it's, uh, it's, it's getting it's well-balanced. But I, I've seen uh, the reason of that is that my energy is so highly... Uh, refined now mm -hmm. that it, it doesn't want any any kind of uh, blockage or any any uh, anything that's uh, polluted or anything like that right. in there so it's just uh, you know and I don't, I don't quite understand all of it yet mm -hmm. it's just it's still under it's still in this process yeah so some people might argue that well you know you'd be going through help things regardless of any sort of oh, yeah. spiritual yeah. awakening, mm -hmm. because everybody yeah. does. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, but I, I understand. See, I've always been very, very super healthy, and then uh -huh. all at once, you know, it, I mean, I was 190 pounds, mm -hmm. doing very well, working every day on, on, on our place, right. doing gardening, eating very well, everything up to a point that all at once I couldn't eat. Yeah. I started losing weight, and I just I went from 195 mm -hmm. down to 130. Wow! I couldn't eat. Uh, period. Period. And you know, I and then I I had an allergic reaction to penicillin, mm. and then in the meantime, I was gluten intolerant. They Are you a vegetarian? Out. No, I wasn't a vegetarian. Are you now? Yeah. No. Uh -uh. No. Doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. No. And so all of these things just kind of happened overnight almost. Mm. I mean, it wasn't a gradual thing. It was just like all at once this turned. Yeah. So it wasn't something like, you say, my age. It right. just, and then, uh, you know, it was just, you know, we could say, well, it was building up, but it was like usually when those things build up, it's kind of a gradual, you know, yeah. breaking down. This kind of like abrupt. Uh, one night you wake, or one morning you wake up and, hey, you yeah. know, all these things at once. So, yeah, I mean, I'm <clears throat> anticipating what skeptics might say. Some might say that this is just part of being a human being. Oh, well, yeah. Growing older, but yeah. I have seen many instances where, you know, with the dawning of some cosmic awareness or something, mm -hmm. the body starts to freak out because yeah. it needs to fall into line with, yeah. that, with that higher energy. Yeah. It can't really, it's like, what was 
Christ said something about putting new wine into old, oh, old yeah. wineskins or yeah. something. Mm -hmm. uh, the body needs to sort of undergo a transformation in order to come into line with. Yeah, I, I saw it as a purification. Yeah. I, I just saw it as, as something that the body needed to do, and it just used, it's opportunistic. Yeah. You know, it just used that as, I just saw it as, I feel great now, and mm -hmm. you know, I'm 65 years old, mm -hmm. and it's just, you know, I just, uh, and I can work, I work just as hard as I, I ever did now. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I get out here and I dig holes. I dug that uh, waterfall out there, dug uh -huh. a big huge hole for almost solid rock. Uh -huh. And you know, I, I just work just as hard as, as I ever have, uh, actually harder in some ways. Yeah. And uh, so it's, you know, it certainly hasn't weakened me. No, and, I shouldn't you know, think it would. So uh, it's, you know, it's, uh, but all these things, that, you know, the body yeah. and the and the, the, the mind or the, mm -hmm. the soul or whatever, they're all interconnected. Yeah. And, you know, like if you pull one leg of a table, all the other legs are going to come along. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some people, they do it the other way around. They might mm -hmm. do all kinds of physical purification yeah. in the hopes of elevating their consciousness. Yeah. And sometimes that works to some yeah. extent. Mm -hmm. You know, but, but in other cases, it's like zoom. The, you know, the awareness yeah. dawns and the body, you know, starts to have to come in line. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I started looking at, okay, I have these things going on with the body now. What am I missing? Is there something I need to look at with the body to yeah. help it? Yeah. And so I started going back into some of my older teachings to look to see, you know, like, and, and also it's like the thyroid was off. Mm -hmm. And the thyroid with some of the spiritual stuff is important. Sure. And, you know, and something that the doctor happened to miss when he was doing the test was my thyroid, the iodine was really low. Yeah. And he didn't know it, you know, and said, oh, we didn't run that test. And they ran that test and my iodine was really off. Uh -huh. And started taking that and I started feeling really better right away. So there was just some imbalances yeah. there. Well, this is a useful point, too, because, yeah. I mean, some people might think, oh, if I feel like crap, but it must be some kind of spiritual transformation taking Not, place, so I'll just yeah. keep feeling like crap. No. You know, a lot of times you need to go to the doctor and... I, I, I say go to the doctor first, yeah. get a health checkup, find out if there's anything physical right. first. You can't blame it on spiritual stuff. I never did blame it on spiritual stuff because yeah. I, I went to the doctor when I, when I lost weight. Mm -hmm. They couldn't find out what was going on with me. I had to help them find out what yeah. it was. But... Uh, you know, they just didn't, they didn't know about some of these things. They just didn't like gluten intolerance at the time. Right. This was several years back, and they didn't just know about this. And later on, they started finding out. We had to do our own research. Yeah. And so after that, then now they're, they're getting a lot, there's a lot of information about these things. But, mm. you know, it's just one test he missed, and so, mm -hmm. and then, then they go, oh, well, we didn't do that test. We better do that. And so I did that test. Oh, wow, you know, you're down here. You better do this. And yeah. so after I do that, because last winter I was freezing to death. I could not get warm. Right. I, just, I just could not get warm. Uh. And of course, you know, the mind thinks, oh, it's something spiritual is terrible is happening to me, <laughs> you know. But I, that's, I, I tell people, my students, I say, look, you know, make sure first that there's not something physical going on. Right. That's the easiest thing to do because spiritual stuff, that's hard. You know, trying to figure out spiritually, you know, you can meditate and meditate and meditate. And, you know, the intellect gets in there and says, oh, well, you must be this. It must be that because you've got all this consensus reality, spiritual mumble jumble out there that says, oh, well, you know, this, this, that, that, and the other thing. And you don't know. Mm -hmm. It's just. Um, now, your website <clears throat> is called Enlifement. Dot org, mm -hmm. E N L I F E M E N T dot yeah. org. Um, 
and it's a very beautiful website, by the way, Thank real you. nice graphics and everything. Uh, why did you choose that term enlifement? What do you mean by it? And I suppose it, repre it represents what you teach. Mm -hmm. Well, enlifement, uh, all of my, my teaching is about life, mm -hmm. living life now. And so we, we, we got, to, all the group got together and we talked about what could we, because our other one's Elia.org. And uh, so we're, we're talking about, well, what, what, would, what would really get us, you know, what's, what's it saying about what we want to, to present? And we're about life. My teaching is about living life. As opposed to some airy-fairy future. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's now, now. Right. And, and so... Living life now, enlifement in life now. Right. And so we found a word that wasn't being used, mm -hmm. and uh, we did all our research. And you know, it's really hard, you know, getting a word that's getting not in use. So right. a domain name and everything. Yeah. Did all the work to get that, mm -hmm. and, and so yeah, enlifement. And so that kind of fits the teaching, and and it's enlifement. And so it's. Uh, and so if a student comes to you, uh, what do you actually teach them? What do they go home with to practice or whatever? Well, uh, I don't have a structured teaching, mm -hmm. and so uh, my my work is tailored to the person, individually. Individually, mm -hmm. yeah. And I work with them individually, and uh, you know, I I uh, point them to their self. Mm -hmm. In what way? How do you do that? Well, it's it's like, what do you need? What do you expect? And, uh, and what are you doing for yourself? Let's what say they they yourself? they come and they say, well, you know. I really want to, you know, know what you know. I want to have that cosmic self dawn in my awareness. I want to be enlightened. That's what mm -hmm. I, you know, of course I need all kinds of relative things, but this is my highest mm -hmm. priority. How do yeah. I get that? What do you say to them? Well, I, I would first uh, ask them what they've done. So far. Yeah, so far. Yeah. yeah. What have you done for yourself so far? Mm -hmm. And uh, what are you trying to get away from? <laughs> hmm. do, you, do you usually find that, that people are trying to get away from something? A lot of time they are. You mean like yeah. just drug, boring job, bad relationship, yeah. that kind of stuff? A lot of times, uh -huh. a lot of times people come to spiritual journey. Because uh, they're suffering. Because they're suffering, right. yeah. And, uh, you know, trying to escape something. Of course, there's no harm in trying to come out of suffering. Oh, it's no, natural. no, 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 it's natural. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's, yeah, that's what drives people, because usually when a person's not suffering, they're not too much interested in spiritual things. Good point. It's, it's, <laughs> it's said in some circles that the angels have a real hard time getting enlightened because they don't even want to close their eyes. They're enjoying Yeah, so yeah, right, yeah. So that's, that's, that's usually the nature of it. It's, yeah. You know, so you find out what a person's suffering, and, you know, if, if it's something psychological, you maybe lead them to a psychologist. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, if they have drug addictions, you lead them to some place that can help them with addictions. Yeah. And, you know, I don't spend my time with addictions because there's too many good things out there to help a person with addictions. Yeah, it's not your specialty. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, you point them to their self. Mm -hmm. And do many of your students practice some kind of meditation or something on a daily basis? Uh, some of them do and some of them don't. Uh -huh. it just, uh, I don't t teach a particular meditation. It's, it's very unique to a person. Right. And so, uh, I help a person if they want to meditate. I, I work with them finding something that works for them. Mm -hmm. yeah. And have a lot of your students been with you for a long time? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what kind of progress do they seem to be making? Well, uh, they're just being life. Mm 
Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, if they're sticking around, they must be getting something out of it. Yeah. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, do you? See, I, mean, I don't. I don't create expectations in people. Right. So it's it's a way of life. Mm -hmm. It's a way of being. But there must be another dimension to it, in a sense. I mean, sure, I can understand, you know, living life more fully and in living in the moment and not sort of, you know, yearning for the past or, you know, mm -hmm. hoping for the future, just sort of being fully in the present. Uh, d d is that one way of, exp is, is, do you help your students kind of begin to shift into that orientation, for mm -hmm. instance? Yeah, it's, uh, a, lot of, a lot of the work that I'm doing is, is talking you know, the new consciousness and the new human right. that we're becoming, right. which is like this, this cosmic self. But people are going to think, wow, that sounds great. Yeah. I want to do it. How yeah. can I become the new human? How can well, I... Well, it's, it's, you know, of course, accepting the old human first. Right. Getting, getting to be okay with that. Mm -hmm. And the, the foundation, of course, for one's life is being okay with what is. That's a good point. You know, and right. unless you're okay with what is, you're not going anywhere. Yeah. Because otherwise you're escaping. Right. And so the first step, of course, is being okay with what is. Mm -hmm. And that's usually the hard one for people mm. because they have a lot of judgment. Yeah. And, uh, and some, that seems to be the hardest step, the longest step for people. Mm. But once you're okay with what is, then you're ready to take on something. So let's say that among your students, a uh, certain percentage, have reached the stage at which, at which they're okay with what is, mm -hmm. uh, then what? I mean, then what is the progress for them, or how do you facilitate their, their further advancement? Well, the, the, next, the next steps are, are pretty individual. It's, it's like uh, realizing that life is what you make it. Mm -hmm. You know, well, who, do you, who do you want to be? Mm -hmm. And uh, how do you see yourself mm. in this world? And... Uh, you know, I, I don't create expectations in people, so it's pretty much up to the individual. How, how do you want to live your life? And, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't teach people to become enlightened, mm -hmm. because to me that's, that's nothing. That's just another game that people play. Right. And uh, so it's, it's about embracing your true self, finding your true self, mm -hmm. and uh, letting the body go through this transformation mm. and uh, wouldn't you say that that's what enlightenment <clears throat> is though I mean the word has so much baggage that it's well yeah you know, so I, I don't talk about hesitant to use it but yeah, I don't talk about it whatever that word ideally is supposed to represent yeah perhaps it, it was meant to represent just exactly what mm -hmm. you're saying you yeah. know yeah. living finding your true self and yeah. and mm -hmm. having your whole relative life including mm -hmm. your body yeah. come into alignment with that see that's that's the thing where uh, Living, living life in a way of being in harmony and balance, yeah, day by day, mm -hmm. being present with what is, right, to me is it. Mm -hmm. And uh, what happens each moment is it, right? Yeah. You know. So I was listening to someone the other day, and, and someone had asked him, you know, well, how do I know what the will of God is? I want to do the will of God. And his answer is Adyashanti, actually, I was listening to him. And his answer was, uh, well, look at what's happening right now. Mm -hmm. It's the will yeah. of God. <laughs> yeah. You know, mm -hmm. be, in, be in tune, in yeah. tune with that. Yeah, because uh, most people have this kind of idea that, well, this isn't it. It's supposed to be something else. Yeah. And so 
trying to keep people in this state of awareness of contentment mm -hmm. with what's in front of us, you know, being this, because there's so much discontent arises from thinking this isn't it. Right. And there's something better, there's something more, and that more, that better doesn't come from somewhere else. It comes from being present here. Yeah. And each moment, one has this access to feeling knowing, and if you're really present and allowing, you have this, this intuitive kind of knowing that's kind of happening, and you kind of get inspired. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm going to do this now. And exactly. I'm going to do that now. Which is good that you said that because a person might, you know, hearing the first part of what you said, they might think, oh, well, I just get totally content with what is, and then I just sit there and stagnate, you know, and no, I don't, don't try to improve no, things. I mean, you know, when you moved into this house, you probably saw a backyard that was pretty sparse, and sure, you were content and, and, and resting in the moment, but you thought, whoa, you know, I'm going to plant flowers here, I'm going to dig a fountain there, and, you know, make all these improvements to make this a more beautiful space. So, so motivation and incentive are not incompatible with contentment. Right. No, it's uh, always action. Yeah. yeah. I'm not a sitter. I don't teach sitting. Right. <laughs> it's always, always keep moving, uh, keep being, and keep doing, and uh, uh, yeah. creating. It's one Being of those paradoxes, and yeah. I think it, it bears uh, reiterating, because you know, some people look at somebody like Eckhart Tolle or something, mm -hmm. and they'll, they'll think, well, he just seems to sit there like a blob and talk, you know, and I don't want to be... Uh, you know, if, if being in the now means just sort of being passive mm -hmm. and not having motivation and inspiration and initiative, yeah. then I don't want it, yeah. you know. And I think what you're saying is that it doesn't mean that. No. That, you know, the two, even though they might seem paradoxical, are, they fit together very nicely. Yeah, yeah one, one is to uh, be active and creative. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we are movers. We're not, we're not sitters. We're not, right. we're not, silence, silence is not silent. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, silence it's is the act of having the intellect not going crazy. Yeah. And uh, we're, we're creative, and the mm -hmm. cosmos is creative. You know, yeah. the, the universe is always Huge this creativity. dance. Yeah. And, and to think that we're supposed to be still and silent and is, is uh, really an oxymoron. Nothing is, our body is never still. Right. The cells are always very busy. And, mm -hmm. if, you know, if our body sat still for one moment, we'd die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's, uh, the whole universe is this dance and this movement. Mm -hmm. And that's what we are. And, and so when people think about uh, life, they need to think about the dance, the movement, and mm. the action, and the creativity that we're capable of. And every moment is a new possibility for mm -hmm. something. And so to inspire people to be creative and to use their, their ability to create and, and to, to do that and to be, be participating, it doesn't matter what you participate in. Just so that it's something that comes from you. Yeah. Something that you can get yourself into that you feel enthusiastic about that you feel real about yeah not just to do something to do something right that's false something which you feel called to do yeah yeah mm -hmm. and wouldn't you say that you know someone who's doing that who's enthusiastically pursuing their calling mm -hmm. uh, at the same time you know they can be perfectly silent within. Oh, yeah. you know mm -hmm. that silence is like the foundation yeah and then on that foundation you know you mm -hmm. can yeah. rise high in, in whatever mm -hmm. way you want yeah. to do mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
Uh, it, there's this whole kind of point of misappropriating levels, you know, mm -hmm. assuming that the silent level has to be applied to the, the active yeah. level. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's not the way it works. Yeah. Hmm. So if, uh, if someone wants to, you know, I mean, do you, do you sort of have any kind of long distance uh, teach way of teaching people, or do they have to be in Albuquerque? Oh no, we uh, we Skype with people. We mm -hmm. have people in Germany. Oh, that's right. You oh, have yeah. a group in mm -hmm. Germany, yeah. mm -hmm. and theoretically, you could have a group in Australia. Or whatever, oh yeah, although yeah, I'm sure you don't wherever relish people. the idea of flying to Australia. But no, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, and we're working on uh, doing the video. Uh, we're setting up to do that and have that broadcast. Kind of a live streaming thing. Live streaming thing. Oh, nice. So, yeah, and people will, people will be able to people be able to call in questions or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Cool. We're working on doing that. So. Mm -hmm. yeah. So enlifement.org is where people should go to find out more. Yeah. Is that right? Mm -hmm. And I'll uh, I'll have a link in your picture and a little oh, description and all that yeah. so people mm -hmm. can just yeah. go there. Um, okay. Is there anything you feel like you know I haven't thought to ask that we really need? Should ought to have covered that's important to you, uh, you know, either in your own experience or things you like to tell people or anything else that we really haven't touched upon that we ought to have done. I, I can't think of anything other than you know, is my it's my love for people mm -hmm. that keeps me doing what I'm doing. Yeah, that really. sounds good. I mean, it really is. I have I have great compassion and and understanding. You know, I've been through it. I've, I've been, I've just been about everywhere a person could be. Mm. And so it's given me great compassion for where people are. So, yeah. you know, I have this understanding and, you know, it's just... One thing that's interesting that I forgot to mention is that, you know, in, in some cases people seem to be, they're kind of in a mess and they're struggling and striving and, and trying to get out of their mess and doing spiritual practices and meditating and whatnot, hoping to someday, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like the, they're exerting effort, hoping to come out of this dilemma. Mm -hmm. And in other cases, people, and this I'd say was more in your case, it's, it's sort of like some big cosmic hook came and grabbed him around the neck and said, here, mm -hmm. here we go, hang on, you know, yeah. this is what you're gonna do. And they found themselves just sort of inexorably propelled along a yeah. trajectory mm -hmm. toward awakening yeah. and kicking and screaming in some mm -hmm. cases, you yeah. know. Yeah. And uh, it's funny the way it works that way. It's like mm -hmm. some people aren't the least bit interested. You, you were. I mean, at the age yeah. of seven, you were having these visions and, and you know, prognostications. But some people, it's like farthest thing from their mind. And all of a sudden, something just grabs them and, yeah. they, and they find mm -hmm. themselves holding on for dear life and going mm -hmm. through this awakening process. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's funny how it works. I mean, I was always uh, very spiritual in certain ways and, you know, called towards the ministry and, and just very disappointed when that fell through yeah. and just like, well, what, what was that all about? Right. And then to come back to this and, and uh, in this way, mm -hmm. I said, well, I guess this something was still was. going on, you know, and it's just different. Yeah. than I imagined. And Some people who say that we kind of prearrange before we're even born that we're going to serve a certain role yeah. and mm -hmm. that you know, <clears throat> we eventually hopefully find that role and yeah. start to fulfill it. Mm -hmm. Well, you're fulfilling yours it seems. I, I think so. Yeah. I haven't got fired yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well good, I appreciate it. Um, 
Thanks for having me over. Mm -hmm. I've enjoyed this talk. Thanks for doing this, and it was nice meeting you. Yeah, good meeting you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks to all who have been listening or watching. And uh, I'm not sure in which order this is going to be aired, but I'm, while I'm here in New Mexico, I'm also going to be interviewing Leslie Temple Thurston, if everything comes together for that. And uh, either this one or that one will be aired first, according to the production complexities. Um, but those are the next couple of... Uh, of interviews and after that back to Skype. Uh -huh. So thanks for watching and we'll see you next time. <laughs>